Well, shall we turn to Isaiah chapter 21 this evening? Isaiah chapter 21. And I'm going to read this chapter. The title of the sermon is Fallen, Fallen is Babylon. And uh, we trust the Lord will help us tonight. And um, what I think is, is actually an exciting chapter to understand what the meaning of Babylon is. Um, Isaiah chapter 21 will read the word of God. It says, The oracle concerning the wilderness of the sea. As whirlwinds in the Negev sweep on, it comes from the wilderness, from a terrible land. A stern vision is told to me, the traitor betrays and the destroyer destroys. Go up, O Elam, lay siege, O Media. All the sighing she has caused, I bring to an end. Therefore my loins are filled with anguish, pangs have seized me like the pangs of a woman in labor. I am bowed down so that I cannot hear. I am dismayed so that I cannot see. My heart staggers. Horror has appalled me. The twilight I long for has been turned for me into trembling. They prepare the table, they spread the rugs, they eat and they drink. Arise, O princes, oil the shield. For thus the Lord said to me, Go set a watchman, let him announce what he sees. When he sees riders, horsemen in pairs, riders on donkeys, riders on camels, let them listen diligently, very diligently. Then he who saw cried out upon a watchtower, I stand, O Lord, continually by day, and at my post I am stationed whole nights. And behold, here come riders, horsemen in pairs, and he answered, Fallen, fallen is Babylon, and all the carved images of her gods he is shattered to the ground. O oh, my threshed and winnowed one, what have I heard from the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel? I announce to you the oracle concerning Duma. One is calling to me from Seir, Watchman, what time of the night? Watchman, what time of the night the watchman says morning comes and also the night if you will inquire inquire come back again the oracle concerning arabia in the thickets in arabia you will lodge O caravans of dedanites to the thirsty bring water meet the fugitive with bread O inhabitants of the land of Tima. For they have fled from the swords, from the drawn sword, from the bent bow, and from the press of the battle. For thus the Lord said to me, Within a year, according to the year of a hired worker, all the glory of Kedar will come to an end, and the remainder of the archers of the mighty men of the sons of Kedar will be few. For the Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. The title of the sermon tonight is Fallen, Fallen is Babylon. And we praise God for the local church, don't we? Because you're never going to get a sermon like this in some kind of conference. It's only in the local church you're going to get, I think, a sermon really, ordinarily, reading Revelation chapter 18, reading Isaiah chapter 21. And yet, this is so important for us. 
To get this wrong will lead us in all kinds of wrong directions if we wrongly understand what Babylon represents. Because three times in the scriptures we find fallen, fallen is Babylon found. Here in Isaiah chapter 21, in Revelation 14, and again in Revelation chapter 18. Isaiah 21 and verse 9, uh, through Isaiah he preaches to Israel the fall of Babylon. Now, bearing in mind, Babylon is going to be uh, the one who would come and take Judah away captive. Uh, and then God himself will turn around and judge Babylon. Also bearing in mind that Isaiah is speaking on behalf of the Lord, that Babylon, as far as we know, are not given the privilege of hearing this message. This is not a message for Babylon that Isaiah is to go and preach. It's a message for the people of God to know what's going to happen in advance for Babylon. And so this prophecy is taken up in the book of Revelation. And in Hebrews chapter 12, we're taught that whatever can be shaken will be shaken so that only that which cannot be shaken may remain. And here we see this godless, wicked city, Babylon, just like it says in Isaiah chapter 57. But the wicked are like the tossing sea. Have you ever traveled on a ship recently? You know, if it's a calm day, it's wonderful, but many people get seasick when you travel on the sea because the sea is going up and down and up and down. And Isaiah preaches in Isaiah 57, but the wicked are like the tossing of the sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. And wouldn't we love, if we're honest, and God's not given us that privilege, wouldn't we love, I certainly would, to have a privilege of addressing the people across the road in that concert, in love, and to say to them, listen, the day will come when all this drumbeat will stop. And if you don't repent of your sin and turn to Jesus Christ, you'll be cast into everlasting punishment because for all who've sinned will fall short of the glory of God. But again, just like in Isaiah's day, this message is for the church. It's for the people of God. But nonetheless, let us all be warned tonight that to run, for, run to Christ, who is our refuge. This world will not offer a refuge for any of us. Christ is our rock, and he's our sure foundation. And so there are three simple headings which really are very easy to come to, but it says Babylon in the past, Babylon in the past, Babylon in the future, and then finally Christ reigns. Babylon past, Babylon future. Let's get to the first heading, which is Babylon past. Do you notice in 21 and verse 1 it says, the oracle concerning the wilderness of the sea. Well, what is that? Well, uh, we firstly, with the word oracle, as we keep on saying, is a message of judgment. Normally, there is grace in the judgment, but there's not grace in the judgment for Babylon. Babylon will be totally removed so that no one will inhabit Babylon ever again. You may say, well, where is Babylon? Babylon uh, is a, an archaeological site today. It's south of Baghdad in modern-day Iraq, but no one lives there anymore whatsoever. And so 
when we think about Babylon, we see this massive destruction that comes upon them. But the danger is, is that when we think of that, that we think because Britain's not facing, you know, dramatic overthrowing of different things, that, that God's judgment is not on us as a nation. In fact, the Bible says the whole world lies in judgment. And I think one of the worst judgments that can happen is not so much just to be removed as Babylon was, though that is indeed something not we want to uh, certainly pray for, but one of the greatest judgments that we find according to the word of God is when God simply leaves a nation to themselves, when he just lets them do what they want. And in chapter 22, in, in the next chapter, we find this in verse 13, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And right now in Britain, we may not be facing dramatic earthquakes or, or floods or, 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 or you know, really serious floods in, in a sense or, or, or tsunamis. But clearly in our nation, we don't lack wealth. We're one of the richest countries in the world, have uh, one of the most well-equipped armies in the world. We, we have gold medals and silver medals and bronze medals coming out of our ears. We're way up there on the league table in the Olympics. And yet there are millions upon millions of people in our nation who are dying in their sins. And it seems to me is that we're in a season where God is hardening people. So that's the worst judgment, to be hardened in our sin. Proverbs is right, and what does it say? Chapter 14, 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we pray for the Democratic Republic of Congo, and who am I? I've never been to the country, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are by far more born-again believers in DRC than there is in this nation, and yet they live in abject poverty. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? So we're just reminded as we get to this chapter, then fallen, fallen is Babylon. Let me just remind us of this wonderful question, the first question, the most well-known question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism or the Westminster Larger Catechism, and it's the very opposite of the way of living in Babylon. But the Larger Catechism says, what is the chief and highest end of man? The answer is man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and to fully enjoy him forever. So in other words, what do we learn from that question as believers? That we will live with a consciousness of God for all eternity. For all eternity, we're going to be living in the conscious presence of God. But the reality is, is that every human being will spend eternity in the conscious presence of God. It will either be the conscious judgment of God in everlasting punishment, or it will be the conscious eternal bliss of God in the new heavens and the new earth. But either way, everyone will live eternally in the conscience, conscious knowledge of the existence of God. So when people say to you, well, when you're dead, you're dead, you can, you can have your little gospel message, you're just a religious freak, 
I'll keep on partying, I'll do what I want, and when I'm dead, I'm dead, that's it, there's nothing left. That's just completely untrue. And that's the kind of thing that people in Babylon would say. So Babylon, as we see in 21 and verse 5, what's one of the hallmarks of a godless society? It's 21 and verse 5. They prepare the table, they spread the rugs, they eat, they drink. It's reveling. It's partying. It's living for this world, eating and drinking for tomorrow we die. And that's exactly the hallmark of a fallen, broken society. And so we see there that there's these people just parting. And in the next chapter, we see on a different vision, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. That's what people think we just live for, to party. But further than that, all carved images will be cast down. And we see in chapter, um, just a moment, um, I've lost the verse, but it talks about, yeah, verse 9. Fallen, fallen is Babylon, and all the carved images of her gods, he is shattered to the ground. How many places he go to today, and there are little pictures of Buddha all over the place. There must be more Buddhas per square mile in this country now than in the whole history of this island. And people seem to love this, but the day will come when all these these. Uh, idolatrous images of, of things and people, they'll be cast down one day. But what we can be encouraged with is that the Lord of hosts is in control of all things. God predicts the fall of Babylon in the Babylon past, and that happened in the year 539 B.C., 539 years before Christ. And for those who have got their historical memories with you tonight, you'll know that it was in 586 B.C., about 40-plus years before Babylon was cast down, that Babylon attacked Jerusalem and carried uh, Judah into captivity, into Babylon. And just as the Lord said through Habakkuk, that they'll be an instrument of judgment and then the Lord will turn around and judge them. And so we see from chapter 21 is that God's word is true. Not one word will fall to the ground. So in 539 BC, this prophecy was perfectly fulfilled. Fallen, fallen is Babylon. So our second heading is Babylon future. We've now got to deal with, we've read in the book of Revelation chapter 18, that Babylon is also used in the future. And what can that refer to? Um, Babylon, by this point, has already gone. It's no longer on the map. But this prophecy, as I've said, is three times it's found in Scripture, twice in Revelation. The first one is Revelation chapter 14 and verse 8. Listen to the Word of God. And by the way, Babylon is mentioned six times in the book of Revelation. Six times. So we need to find out what it refers to. Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 to 8, it says, Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with a, an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, 
because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water, and another angel, a second, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Hmm. So here we have in the word of God, where was John? He was on the island of Patmos on the Lord's day, and the Lord gave him this vision. Clearly, the angel's not saying, you know, still keep rejoicing about Babylon past. This is future. And William Hendrickson, he makes this comment about Babylon. He says this in his book, More Than Conquerors. Babylon is the world as the center of seduction. Its future fall is spoken of here as if it had already happened. So certain is the event. The world, in all of its satanic system, is called Babylon. Let me just read that one more time. William Hendricks says in more than more than, book, the book More Than Conquerors, his commentary on Revelation, Babylon is the world as the center of seduction. Its future fall is spoken of here as if it had already taken place. So certain is the event. The world, in all of its satanic system, is called Babylon. And so this whole world system, not the mountains and the rivers, nothing wrong with the mountains and the rivers, they're created by the Lord. It's fallen man that's the problem. And you know, just like man built the Tower of Babel and so we get to heaven, and, and so man has been very busy now for uh, 6,000 years building Babylon, building this world system everywhere. Now, let me just say this before we look at Revelation 18 verse 2 that it is correct to say that in the New Testament, Rome was referred to as Babylon. In other words, uh, the, the early church compared Rome and all of its empire to be just like Babylon in the past. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13, the apostle Peter writes his epistle, and he says, She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. This almost definitely refers, a cryptic reflection, uh, reference to Rome, saying she, the church, who is at Babylon. Now, let me just, before we get to Revelation 18, verse 2, because you do meet sometimes some Christians who are very, very, what's the word? Um... They mention the Roman Catholic Church a lot. And clearly the Roman Catholic Church, there are some Christians within it, but as a system, it's a false system. But some Christians take fallen, fallen is Babylon, no longer to refer to ancient Babylon, but to refer to the Roman Catholic Church, that the Roman Catholic Church will be cast down. And even some of our reformers, they, they had that view because... Rome was the main enemy of the church at the time. But I would contend from the word of God and from Revelation that this, this is dealing with this whole world system that's corrupt and seductive, which goes way beyond the Roman Catholic Church. 
Well, Revelation chapter 18, verse 2, what does that say? Similar again. It says, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory, and he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the sea have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Revelation chapter 18. We have to acknowledge it's, it's somewhat depressing in its reading. But it refers to Babylon as this world's system. And it's certain fall that within an hour, the day will come when this world system will fall when Jesus returns. And return he will. And return he shall. And it's, it's interesting when it says Babylon here, it says in Revelation, it says fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. That in the book of Revelation, the, the tense of the verse is, is in Greek, it's a completed form from the past. So though it's a future event, God is speaking as if it's already done. And done it shall be. Babylon was utterly hopeless when Cyrus came. Why? Have you ever seen uh, termite hills and termites working in the wood? And termites have been working. While Babylon, ancient Babylon, was partying and drinking and, uh, and do, reveling and doing all that the world does, uh, the enemy was then ready, ready about to pounce. But the enemy won't be an enemy as it was for Babylon, Cyrus, the enemy of the world will be Christ himself who will come and bring judgment to this world system. I remember a number of years ago I was um, asked if I would show, go with someone's son, I think it was, to Sheffield University. And they just bought and built all of these new kind of um, blocks for students, whatever they're called. And, and, and I went with this person and they showed me around and they said, well, your son, your daughter, they could have a, they could have a single room with an ensuite, or, or they can also have a, have a double bed with an ensuite. And the way it was presented was, was coming to university will be like one of your greatest holiday experiences of a lifetime. And it was all focused on reveling and partying, and what can we as a university offer your son and daughter, the greatest party on earth, which is exactly the drumbeat of Babylon and there might be people here listening tonight and you might be setting out on life and who knows where you are on the pilgrimage and, and maybe the bright lights of this world can seem attractive maybe you think well what am I doing messing around with this studies at school I, I, I could be a professional footballer and then imagine that I can I can have 20 cars I can have whatever I want you can be can be enticed by the world we, we're reading about babylon this world system it's seductive let's not kid ourselves on that there, there isn't anything attractive about it it's seductive it pulls many people into it you may be a, a young man a young girl you may be brought up in a christian home but somehow the bright lights of this world are pulling you 
But there's a warning tonight from this sermon of fallen, fallen is Babylon, that one day, remember this, every bright light in this world will one day go out. But there'll be one light that never goes out for all eternity, and it's a city that's set on a hill, and it's called the New Jerusalem. And we as Christians are called to be salt and light in this fallen world. And our light is not like the neon lights of the world, you know, stroboscopes and whatever else. It's not like that. It's, there's, there's something of a, a constancy about the light of the church. There's something of a constancy of the light of the gospel. It's not dramatic. It's not going to bowl you away. But it's constant. It never changes. And let's not trade our soul for Babylon. Jesus taught, he said this, the last days, and we've been living in the last days since the resurrection of Jesus, but he says the last days will be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. The days of Noah and the days of Lot. And remember, Noah was a preacher, and he preached and called people to repentance. And not many people were that interested in coming. We don't know the number of the elect. We leave that in the hands of the Lord. We know they'll come from every tribe and tongue. But what's required of us as Christians, what's required of us in the church, is perseverance. He who endures to the end, the same will be saved. And also the days of Lot, which is interesting with the days of Lot. In the days of Noah, Jesus says, that people will be given uh, in marriage. But there's no mention of marriage in the days of Lot. That seems to have gone out the window. Our third and final headings briefly tonight is we've looked briefly at Babylon past and Babylon future. Um, but really to finish off with an exhortation that the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. That's the important thing I want us to get into our mind into full view is the glory of Jesus Christ I'm preaching him tonight but he is invisible we cannot see the Son of God with our human eyes even here in Revelation 21 it says the oracle concerning the wilderness of the sea it's it's veiled but then we find in 21 verse 9 it's actually referring to Babylon but I want to give us tonight, again, the offer of the gospel. The offer of the gospel. Because we know in when Jesus talks about the parable of the uh, ten virgins, that when Jesus returns, we have this little phrase that once Jesus returns, and he will return once and once only, and when he returns, this world system, Babylon, will be brought to an end. But there'll be something else that's brought to an end. The door of salvation will be closed, never to open again. And we have these few words in the book of Matthew's Gospel that when Jesus returns, it says, and the door was shut. The door was shut. And so tonight we may not be 
a, a, a huge group. That doesn't matter. We need to be faithful to the Word of God. And the Word of God gives us this to, to bring before people. That the gospel is offered freely to whosoever. And remember this. You may turn your back on the gospel, and God forbid that you would. But the day will come, as Jesus said it would, that when he returns, the door will be shut. But right now, as of today, that door is open. In Revelation 20, verse 15, it says, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Imagine that, being thrown into the lake of fire. Can there be anything more scary? And this is not the devil or demons throwing someone into the lake of fire. It's Almighty God and His angels. And actually in Revelation chapter 19, with the judgment of God upon the great prostitute, Babylon, that the church actually in heaven rejoice because the justice of God is executed. And we one day will rejoice. We don't look down on non-Christians. It's the grace of God that saved any of us. But this world system, the church will rejoice and actually say, Hallelujah! Why? Because the justice of God is executed upon this wicked world system but we can praise God tonight as we're about to come to the Lord's Supper that the Lord promises that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and it's not just for a few years it's for all eternity and wouldn't it be sad for someone to turn away from the gospel in favor of this world system called Babylon. The title of the sermon was Fallen, Fallen is Babylon. And so may we walk soberly with humility in this fallen world, never looking over our shoulders with a sense of covetousness. Why am I giving this up as a Christian? Someone once asked, as we come to a close, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a very gifted man and working medically and, and uh, he was in line to be the queen's or the king's uh, physician and then God called him to the gospel and at the end of his life someone said to him oh Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones you, you gave up so much uh, could you discuss that for me and it's recorded the recording's still available and he looked at this rather flattersome interviewer and he said to him young man I gave up nothing and gained everything and really when you look at Babylon you think as a Christian to follow Jesus I've actually given up nothing and I've gained everything blessed be God for Jesus Christ let's pray before we come to the Lord's table our Heavenly Father we so long to see as many people as possible rescued from this seductive world system called Babylon. We ask for forgiveness, Lord, that we have been tempted, 
We may be tempted right now, we may be tempted in the future, future to look in envy on this world system and forget our wonderful inheritance. Guide us on the narrow path until the day we enter into heaven. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a delight to come before the Lord's table, isn't it? I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in a moment, um, which are the words of institution. But my exhortation for us tonight is, is really simple. It's that the Lord's table offers us such stability. Um, there's nothing glitzy about the loaf of bread that we've got and that Jesus tells us to use or about the wine, but it points us to something that really is meaningful and eternal, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. And let me read just the first three verses of Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out, down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more for the former things have passed away. And so as we come to the Lord's table tonight, I want us to be exhorted to think of the stability of the gospel and the promises of the new heavens and the new earth, that one day this world will be no more, but all that the bread and the wine points us to, to Jesus Christ and his sufferings, his being raised from the dead, and what he's accomplished for us is this, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And there are many people who face tears of various kinds through their lives. But the word of God tells us that he will wipe away every tear. There'll be no more tears in heaven. Tears of anguish of what's happened in this world. What a beautiful heavenly father we have. doesn't just say you'll, you'll just stop crying or hear a voice from heaven saying stop crying, but it says he will wipe away 